I'm no stranger to longing. In fact, it's likely the only reason I'm even recorded in scripture, for my longing for a son. It's often lifted up as an example of perseverance, of patience, of strength, of hope. Feelings that were far from my mind at the time. All I knew was the feeling of longing. We're all longing for something. You may be thinking of young people committing suicide at higher rates than ever, many who've been neglected and abandoned, longing for just one person to love them. You may be thinking of heads of families distraught over severe and yearly family rifts, many who've been embattled for so long, they're just longing for a united household or family unit. You may be thinking of those suffering from addiction, longing for recovery after trying to quit before their addiction kills them. You may be thinking of how in the last, oh, I think it's about two years just about, many of you have longed for a return to normal. Some of you are just longing for rest after years of your labor. Longing is a natural but unfortunate part of the human experience. Longing, what seems to be a recurring request that goes unfulfilled. Longing, that seems to be ongoing but somehow still ignored. Continual longing translated into continual prayer, continual God-seeking with no sense of change or hope. We're talking about what it means to seriously long for something. Trust me, I know. You've heard in the text how I long for a child. And while you may not be specifically longing for a child, you are longing for something. And maybe something about my own story of longing can give you some insight today. So I know it's not explicitly stated, but I think we can infer from the text that my longing was every single day, 365 days, 24-7. What is clear in the text is that every year I could anticipate being reminded of my miserable longing for a child in a culture where the sign of a complete or whole woman was birthing children, I had none. What, what, what good was I if I could not fulfill my one perceived purpose as a woman at that time? And let's not forget that if my husband had died, I had no one to care for me. Having a child was more than a, a bragging right or showing off pictures on some kind of phone, but having a child, a son, was my lifeline, my life insurance, my retirement plan, and my survival plan. Who else could understand the severity of my longing? Perhaps another woman. Another woman under the same societal pressures can, can possibly understand, right? Especially one who lives under the same roof as me and, and knows me personally. I, I thought to myself, ah, yes, that's it. Let me go to her with my longing. But instead of compassion from Penana, I was ridiculed. 
And no, it's not expressly stated that it was a year-round ridicule and mocking, but even knowing that it was going to happen at least once a year, like clockwork, was pain enough for me. Let me ask you this. Have you ever felt that someone close to you just didn't quite understand, didn't quite get it. Did that same person or people make the longing in your heart even worse? I just wanted to make sure I wasn't alone today. Maybe you felt like that too. This yearly misery compounded when my husband gave out the sacrificial meal portions. I can never really say for certain if it was intentional or not, but my lack of a child was still highlighted every year at this meal by the double portion of food given to me. It was a reminder that something about me was, was incomplete, was insufficient, was not quite enough, and I was someone to pity. And in all of that, I was still being mocked, provoked, and ridiculed. But I can't be too hard on Penina. Yes, she had the children, but did Elkanah even love her? One thing I did know was that my Elkanah loved me, but how I still felt like a failure to him. Maybe, maybe I should take my longing to him. Surely he will understand. But would he? Would he empathize? Would he care? Would he try to get it? Did my own husband even notice my suffering? Did he ever say anything to Penina how, about how she treated me year after year? I, I can't say. I really didn't even want to go there today. Right? I even admitted verses 7 and 8 in the scripture. I, I couldn't deal with it, but I, I was visibly crying, visibly not eating, visibly distraught at one of the most important sacrificial and ritual meals. Some translations tell you how my husband even questions my longing, questions me, questions my love for him. But again, the point isn't really about him specifically, that's not why I'm here, but it's a feeling many of you may know. It's called gaslighting. Longing and sincerely de desiring something, but being questioned and yes, even blamed. Do you all know this feeling? Sharing your vulnerability with someone close to you only for their concern to still somehow be themselves. As for one who already has the very secure and privileged uh, longing, excuse me, someone who already has that security and privilege to hear my longing, was it that much of a stress? Was it that much of a burden to empathize with me? How many times have you shared your longing only to be gaslit, questioned, blamed? instead of simply heard. <sighs> to be without understanding in my own home. I could be pitied, 
But in the midst of my own suffering, I refused to be less than. I silently protested. I didn't eat. I didn't drink. And I left that sacrificial meal. And I left my husband right there, and Penina right there, and her children right there. And I went to God's shrine on my own. Maybe it takes a small act of protest every now and again to call attention to suffering. Maybe it takes a woman daring to step out of her place and defy expectations to be acknowledged in her longing. Maybe protest or defying the status quo is the tool of the suffering to call out those who are privileged. Did my protest alleviate my suffering? No. But I did make a stand that could not be continually ignored. My husband, my sister in suffering, they could no longer ignore my longing. Maybe it was time, though, for me to take my longing outside the comforts of my home, outside what I thought was a safe place and safe people. Maybe what I could not find in others, in, in marriage or shared identity kinship, I could find in a holy place. But even there, would my longing be heard? Would my longing be understood? Would it be a safe place to bring my longing? L let me ask you all, where, where do you take your longing? Do you take it to your partner? Maybe a friend? Maybe even a bar? Or maybe Facebook? I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to judge because I took my longing to what I thought was a safe place. I took my longing to the shrine, as I did year after year. And at the shrine, the priest, one set apart for service to God, Eli, he was there physically. But I look back and wonder, where was he spiritually and emotionally? Was he in a state of welcome and affirmation? <laughs> he was far from it. My weeping my tears streaming down my face, my wails, my cries, and my mouthed words because I couldn't make another sound for my crying. In all of that, Eli, the priest, the one set apart for service to, to God, dismissed my distress as drunkenness. Now, someone please tell me, what, what priestly person is someone who cannot identify a person in distress? Yet again, another person believes I share some kind of blame in my suffering, that there's something wrong with me, not hearing my longing in my heart, not hearing my prayers to God. Instead, there's something about me. And even after hearing my explanation of why I was there pleading and begging and praying and wailing and crying and mourning and grieving and longing for a son, Eli only seemed to offer a generic, go in peace. And I hope God hears you. Dismissive of my longing, 
my heart's desire, dismissive of the bullying happening in my own home, dismissive of my marital stress, not knowing if I can trust my husband with my innermost longings, and dismissive of my dread of an insecure future. If I don't have a child, what will become of me? Eli dismisses me and my longing. Friends, I couldn't catch a break. Ridiculed by my sister wife who fights the same oppressions. Gaslit by my husband who pretends not to understand. And dismissed by a religious leader who judged me before hearing me. Do you understand what, what I mean when I say I had this deep longing in my soul weighing on me and I didn't know where to take it because even when I tried to unburden myself, I met with crickets. It, it may be kind of easy for you to, to connect with me and my longing, but I challenge you today because it takes a little more self-reflection to see yourself as penina oppressed but lashing out against the wrong person. You might reflect and see yourself as Elkanah in blamer mode and not listening mode. You might self-reflect and see where you have been like Eli the priest, dismissing the pain of others, judging before listening. Now, this is my first time in what you call a church. So let me ask you church people, are you guilty of the same? Do you condemn and judge before you empathize and relieve? Do you assume people's acts of de desperations are results of bad decisions on someone else's part? Do you offer generic platitudes without ever listening to their desperate cries? Can you actually listen to the desperate cries of suffering without judging? Are you a safe person to whom someone can bring their deepest longings? Is your home a safe place for whom in your own family can bring their deepest and darkest fears? Is your church, your community, your social group a safe place for whom the outcast and marginalized and oppressed and neglected can bring their longings and not to be judged? <sighs> I can't answer that for you. But I can tell you that my state of distress and despair was not my ending. Being bullied and belittled was not my conclusion. Being pitied and prosecuted in my own home was not my finale. I did have a place to take my longing, and I hope you take yours as well. Where might you take these longings, Hannah? To the one who hears our deepest longing, one who understands our longings, one who will not ridicule or blame or condemn, one who hears both the longings of our lives and the longings of our souls, one who not only hears our longings, but responds to our longings. You ask again, so who is this one, Hannah, who hears your longing, who heard you crying out? Who's the one who understood your suffering, the one who answered your prayer of longing? Longing, Hannah, as I said in my prayer in the next chapter in your text, it is none but the God of life, the God who hears. The reason I named my son Samuel. And as I leave you, I, I just want to say, even if I never would have gotten my son Samuel, I'll never forget 
making my longing known through action, making my pain heard through prayer, and unburdening myself, freeing myself before God of the longing that held me captive for so long. And I pray that you find your person or place to put all your longings away safely. Amen.